Hey guys, welcome back to Modified Lifestyle. I am your host, Andrew. And it's your boy, Ranch. And to start things off for this week, I read an interesting article from BMW. So someone did an interview with one of the lead designers of BMW mm-hmm. about the new 2021 BMW M3 and M4. More notably, the design of the new kidney grill. The very controversial part of it is it's really ugly. It's very long. It's it, like we've all seen the memes, honestly. Yeah. It's been quite a laughing stock on social media, I should say. So from this interview, the head of design basically said that, you know, BMW being uh, a very high performance car company, you know, they're making high performance cars, luxury cars. And that's really what people are buying BMWs for. Mm-hmm. You know, they they felt that they had to kind of step out of that bubble mm-hmm. for the M3 and 4 because it's more it's like the highest end version of those cars which i mean it kind of makes sense a lot of the other car makers out there are really adapting to this uh, philosophy and they obviously have their performance versions look completely different or have like certain parts look different right but i think this is a very very big step in in the opposite direction right yeah so obviously they had to kind of step out of their own comfort zone mm-hmm. when designing this new m3 and m4 and they believe that, you know, because it has such a high class mm-hmm. in the performance world, you know, a lot of people buy this just because of the performance of the M3 and 4. They really want to go to the extremes with the design. This, that's kind of why the car looks that way. And more specifically, the grill is that large. And I'm just reading the article that uh, we, we actually found this on. And the this head of design is also saying that it's not about being pretty or ugly right it's a it's about making a statement and essentially this is going to be the only two models that they're really going to throw put this grill on so i mean i guess that's kind of a relief we won't see this in like the the x x3 x5 or even any of the other m's right let's hope they don't actually put this on any of the other cars uh because it's kind of hideous and I, i think they know that yeah definitely they also said that you know people buying bmws they're buying because of the status and they Mm -hmm. really want to stand out and obviously like having the grill this large on this type of car Mm -hmm. it definitely stands out from the crowd right it does yeah but at the same time like i remember maybe just a couple months ago bmw they released the new 4 series and it also had the same grill yeah which i i think uh is bmw just trying to take it as an interpretation uh i think that's kind of where they're headed they want to obviously do a lot more with their cars uh, exterior wise I mean if you think about it a lot of the BMWs have looked the same since you know the 90s even right so it's it's kind of good to see that they're changing it up but at the same time they've kind of made it look hideous yeah I agree I think like if this does if this design does stay with the M3 and M4 even like the higher end M performance models I'll be fine with it you know because these cars they're I wouldn't say rare but they're very like you don't see them every day yeah. Right. So it's not going to be a huge part of the BMW lineup. Like when you picture a BMW, you're not going to picture something like this. Right. Everyone knows like the classic styling of the BMW. Mm-hmm. So I think if they do keep this design specifically to the M performance models, it would make sense. But like, like I said before, like they announced the four series with the same grill. So that's kind of contradicting this head of designs theory about why they designed a car like that right because it's not going to be one of a kind anymore if they start putting it on other cars too yeah exactly but at the end of the day i think they did a really good job of creating like a chatter in the Mm -hmm. car community world right because the car it's so distinct like the grill is so distinct that Mm -hmm. people have their own opinions about it whether it be negative positive whatever but you know people are talking about it and i think that's what they really wanted they really wanted people to talk about this car it's free publicity yeah exactly right good or bad is publicity is good publicity right yeah 
And I think that like by doing this, you know, they kind of want this distinctive look to stay with the M performance models and kind of create an icon out of it. Especially considering, you know, once we see it on the road, how much it's going to stand out from other BMWs and other sports cars in general. Yeah, most definitely. I can definitely see a lot of people attracted to not even attracted, uh, just when they see one, they're going to be like, whoa, that's a new BMW M4 or M3, right? It's like, it's distinct. Obviously, it has its own look, which we can't really say about a lot of the cars nowadays, right? Uh, they don't really look any different from their performance models. For instance, an Audi, right? An A4 and S4, let's be honest, exterior-wise, generally a copy and paste. But obviously, the performance is where it's at, right? Uh, I think BMW kind of knows what their customers want, and they don't want a car that looks exactly the same as their base models, right? It's good thinking about it. I think they could have executed better on it, but essentially, that's what they have to do, right? They have to capture the crowd, uh, really brings a product out there that people would like. And I think just from the publicity, they're going to have a lot more sales on these things because, first of all, they're one of a kind, right? And the people that are going to buy these aren't going to really care about the designing, right? It's Again, it's it's mainly the performance of it, right? Anyone that really knows what they're getting into will buy this because of the performance. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters. Anyone really talking shit about this online and doesn't really have the money, let's be honest, won't even look at this, won't even purchase it, right? Because they're kind of stuck in their mindset. So yeah, I don't really think that anyone that's even commenting on BMW can even afford this, let's be honest. Yeah, I think we talked about that before. Like, obviously, like, there's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. negative opinions about it. Um, but at the end of the day, those people probably aren't in the market for a car like this anyways. So, you know, their opinion really doesn't matter. And I think, like, for a sports car in the class that it's competing in, it definitely has a good chance of rising to the top in terms of performance of the car itself. On the topic of performance, Audi has recently announced that they're going to have an option for a rear-wheel drive platform on the new 2021 Audi R8. Yeah, this is actually something very new. I, I believe they've been stuck to a all-wheel drive R8 for a very long time, uh, but I'm guessing they're making the switch because they've seen other companies do it as well. Rear-wheel drive additions to their cars, which is very popular, especially with uh, the uh, American scene. Yeah, so just some history on the Audi R8. They've never actually offered a rear-wheel drive option in the R8 until 2018, where they op- they had a very limited run of the R8 RWS, which had the rear-wheel drive platform on it, but it was very, very limited. And until then, you know, I guess they kind of realized how popular the car was after that, and that's kind of why they decided to go the rear-wheel drive option on the new ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know for people that actually race their cars, they prefer a rear-wheel drive car in general. Obviously, people have their own specifications, uh, but it kind of makes sense for anyone that actually hits the drag strip or does any circuit racing. It actually makes a lot more sense to have a rear-wheel drive car. Uh, you can really get the rubber rolling, and obviously, heating up the tires is very important, uh, especially in drag racing. Yeah, in the past couple of years, we've also seen like supercars and like these sports cars have the option of rear wheel drive which is very very popular in the racing scene right and obviously like Randall said like you know if you're drag racing if you're circuit racing or anything rear wheel drive is a huge advantage because of you know the general performance of the car all the weight goes to the rear of the car so you get more traction from a rear wheel drive car and obviously it's a lot more lightweight than an all-wheel drive car so in terms of performance uh there's not a really big hit on it because of the uh drivetrain change 
uh, it, when you go from all-wheel drive to rear-wheel drive. For our all-wheel drive version, you're getting around 602 horsepower. Uh, and uh, in the all-wheel drive version, you're getting a little bit over 530 horsepower, which it's 70 horsepower uh, loss, but at the same time, it's like you get less weight. Uh, the car probably handles a little bit better. In terms of torque, uh, it's, it's only reduced by 15 foot-pounds from 413 to 398, uh, which is very impressive, and that means that you're not actually losing a lot of acceleration for this car. Both variations of this car, the rear-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, also come with the same V10 engine, which kind of surprises me. I thought the rear-wheel drive would actually be a little faster just mm -hmm. because it's a lot less weight and, you mm -hmm. know, all the power is going to the rear wheels. Yeah. But at the same time, you like, it kind of makes sense because all-wheel drive, you know, any all-wheel drive car is generally a lot quicker than its rear-wheel drive counterpart. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, we, we would obviously need to wait to see if it's, this is, these numbers are actually right. Obviously, when uh, a lot of companies really dumb these numbers down and try to market it better. Yeah, so aside from all of that, you know, there even though there is a little bit of a difference in terms of power, raw power, from a performance aspect, you know, the 0 to 60 time and the top speed, there's not a huge difference. So mm -hmm. like the all-wheel drive one will go 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds and rear-wheel drive will go 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds. So it's not a huge gap. You know, it's still in that three second range, with a, which I think is very competitive for a car mm -hmm. in this market. Yeah. And in terms of like top speed, it's literally like four miles per hour difference. So that kind of shows that, you know, even though there is less power in the rear wheel drive option, it still performs almost just as well as the all wheel drive. And I think the biggest factor in the rear wheel drive RA and probably like the main reason Audi has chosen to go rear wheel drive is the price. So the R8 Coupe started at $210,000 with rear wheel drive model. They've cut the price almost $54,000 to now its new price, which is $144,000, which is substantially lower than the amount. I feel like this could be like their new base model, which is it's going to be like their new uh, R8 V8 version uh, that they used to have. So I, I can definitely see them see why they did this. Uh, it's kind of like the base model of the car. Yes, yeah, so I feel like by op by offering a rear-wheel drive, option in the r8 it's going to allow them to market it to a much wider audience right mm -hmm. because of the price you know this car is competing with like supercars like lamborghinis mclarens all that kind of stuff and to have that much performance in less than one hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's like a huge marketing advantage to audi that's definitely true i mean it's counterpart like lamborghini or even ferrari uh, i'm pretty sure do not even offer a lower end model of their cars right yeah exactly like even the base model rear-wheel drive of the ra is probably half the price of a base model lamborghini yeah or ferrari or something yeah, like that right exactly. so they definitely have a huge advantage by offering a rear-wheel drive mm -hmm. especially for the price you know you're getting a lot of car for hundred fifty thousand. yeah most definitely and we're gonna move on to our main topic so this week's topic is if you went back in time and you had the knowledge that you do about cars now which car would you do as your first build now, obviously, when you're first getting into cars, you know, you don't have generally a lot of knowledge about cars, any platforms, um, what's good, what's bad, all that kind of stuff. As any car enthusiast, you kind of just learn as you go, right? As you're modding cars, as you know, as you're kind of tinkering around with the cars, you kind of learn more about them. You know, it's capabilities, you know, what's available in terms of parts and tuning capabilities, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's generally a different group 
for whatever you're kind of into, whether it be stance, race, track, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think for us, we kind of stand in kind of like the stance group, you know, yeah. where we're kind of like a daily stance, right? Yeah. I would yeah. say. We, we like our performance, but we also like our stance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, even like earlier last year when I was looking for cars, you know, I was kind of trying to find a car that's perfect daily driver, but also a car that has a wide platform in the aftermarket community. Good performance out of the box, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the main car I was looking for is a G37. You know, I was looking mainly for the sedan just because those ones, it's a lot easier to find them in all-wheel drive, which is perfect for a daily driver, especially in the winter. And, you know, even when I was looking for cars, I'll be honest, I was even looking for mods too. I was looking at what I could do to this car if I was to purchase it mm-hmm. in its current state, you know, what's available out there, how much the parts are. You know, that's a huge aspect of it as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think if I didn't purchase the Q50, I probably would have settled on a G37, which I probably would have been just as happy with. Yeah, similar engine and similar drivetrain. Really well put together car in general. Obviously, the power is really good. I mean, I used to have a 350Z. I can tell you it was a lot of fun to drive, but it was real to drive. That's the only shitty part because in the snow, you're like literally going sideways. Yeah, you're just like sliding. Yeah, right. But what would you do to it? Like if, if you had like the same amount of money and like same as around like resources and what would you essentially do to it honestly when it, when i think about it i probably would have done a lot more mods to a g37 mm-hmm. for one because there's a lot more parts available you know the g37 community is massive in the gta right there's a lot of people in the community a lot of people mod in their cars and because it's an older car i feel like i'll be more comfortable touching more things right like the q50 is nice but like because it's so nice i kind of feel bad modifying yeah it. touching it yeah right like cutting anything in it yeah exactly i don't want to kind of like ruin the the class of the car itself right so it's too nice yeah basically <laughs> yeah and knowing cars in like uh the gta they they just tend to rust out and everything right so when it gets to that stage it's like goddamn like you really don't want to touch any of the body panels on the cars right like if it's an older like piece of shit no offense to anyone that has a car like that you really don't really you really don't care about anything on the car uh especially aesthetically you just like to drive it right yeah exactly yeah i think that, that's another like huge factor for me too like i like driving so like the q50 the g37 you know i've test drove a number of them they drive really similar and it's just like the engine the 3.7 vq is just a beautiful engine like, it has a beautiful tone to it you know it has the powers there mm-hmm. if you need it you know exhaust wise too there's like so many options for Mm -hmm. exhaust to make that engine sound really nice and just like aesthetically and performance wise there's a whole lot of mods out there you know there's a lot of people in the gta who are even doing different kind of builds whether it be like stance builds performance builds like track builds all that kind of stuff even on instagram i've seen someone do an ls swap in a g37 that's crazy right so it shows you that like the community for the g37 even today is massive and you know there is a huge aftermarket support for that mm-hmm. platform yeah most definitely and i think that's the main part about modifying right you want to have a large community to actually interact with right because what's the point of building a car and like only having two people that actually have even touched the car in the past right it's kind of shitty but at the same time it's like you know you want to really interact with people that have similar taste as you yeah exactly and that's kind of like what it's all about it's kind of like about sharing your passion with other people and i see like even with the q50 i go to a lot of like um infinity and nissan meets and like cruises and stuff and i meet a lot of people who have these cars and like g37s for example i know a lot of people with those and 
it's a similar passion. You know, that's the best part about it. You get to share the passion with other people and just talk about cars in general and all that kind of stuff. In terms of mods, I think because it's a daily driver, I wouldn't go too crazy on the mods. You know, obviously exhaust is like a huge thing about that platform. So yeah. that'll definitely be a top priority. Yeah, you got to open up the trumpet. Yeah, exactly. Trumpet gang. <laughs> and then there's, you know, wheels, coils, obviously. That's one thing too about the G37 platform is that there's so many options on the used market in terms of suspension and wheels. So like any wheels that I was thinking, if any wheels that I want to put on it, you know, I know that someone's done that out there in the community. Mm -hmm. So wheels and coils, probably like the second thing I would do mm -hmm. a nice track spec. I probably do like down pipes as well, just to kind of open up the flow from the engine in terms of like the engine itself. I don't think I'd do a whole lot just because, you know, it does push out a whole lot of power and there's not a whole lot you could do with just the NA engine unless you go forced induction as well i probably wouldn't do that to be honest just because it's a daily driver yeah but like exhaust lower down pipes you know wheels you generally have the parts there if you want to go fast mm -hmm. and you know simple tune probably get you there as well honestly i think for, as a daily that's like one of the most perfect builds that you can imagine of it's really just simple uh you can still take it to the track still you know, drive home with that without anything broken, which is the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aesthetically, like I always had this kind of dream to do like a full blackout build on a car. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously it depends like what car, what color I would get if I was to get one. Mm -hmm. But like a full blackout would probably be like the perfect aesthetic that I would go for. And I've seen like these cars like fully blacked out, and it looks really nice, really sleek. And obviously, you know, like the the general arrow parts that you get like a full front lip side screws diffuser all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. just to kind of tie the whole build together so for me i for anyone that doesn't know i uh used to be a huge Volkswagen guy um until that shit kept on breaking on me <laughs> yeah i can attest to that <laughs> yeah it was actually pretty bad uh, at one point my car was sitting on jack stands for almost a year obviously it's my fault uh for leaving it on jack stands that long but Every time something was fixed, it kept on breaking. So if I had the opportunity to go back and really change up what I was going to build, I think I would honestly pick anything Toyota, uh, specifically Lexus, because it is so much easier to build much cheaper parts and the modifications are out there. I really lo love the first generation of the IS, mainly because it, it not only still comes with the, the manual transmission, I know it still comes in the IS250, but they aren't that great. And obviously the engine is what really makes that car so crazy because that car actually came with the 2JZ, which for a lot of people was a big thing. And I think that if I actually got my hands on that thing, it would have been crazy. Yeah, and those cars, like, they're basically bulletproof. Like the 2JZ, mm -hmm. it's known for its reliability. Um, I believe that car, it's the NA version. It so is. it's not the twin turbo. It's a dumbed-down yeah. version, but uh, you can essentially do everything uh, on a 2J that you... You can do on there too. Yeah, I think a lot of people just do like um, like a single turbo build just because it's easier than right. doing a twin turbo. It's much easier, yeah. Yeah. I would personally, with today's market, do a 1JZ swap or something like that for performance. But in general, that car would be for just track, right? I wouldn't be doing drifting or anything. I would just want to hit the track once or twice a year and kind of just go all out. So yeah, it, it, I essentially want to build it for the looks slash track slash really just a daily right it's really fun to drive them uh if, for anyone that hasn't driven manual on a daily basis 
once you get used to it, it's actually very easy. Uh, a lot of people are just lazy and they don't like driving manuals in traffic. I found it, whatever, I can do it, right? Anyone, anyone can essentially do it, but yeah, it's not that hard. I would prefer to do like a stance look to it. So I really go for like exterior look, uh, go for full out three piece wheels, go for suspension mods so that we're not having too much rub. So I would go for aggressive uh, suspension ratings. Most likely go with 326 because they're so popular with those cars and they've done so many of them that they've kind of perfected the suspension on those cars. In terms of body kits, uh, like Andrew said, uh, I kind of just want something that will tie it together. Uh, one kit that I really, really love is a BN sports kit. It's honestly perfect for the car and it kind of ties everything together. Yeah, and that's the great thing about older cars too. Like Similar to like the G37, because it's been around for so long, there's a lot of support in the aftermarket community yeah. right there's a lot of parts available you know like a lot of kits all that yeah. kind of stuff available for the car exactly and I, you know the one thing i love is that you can actually interchange a lot of the parts between makes right like a lot of the the parts for the gs will actually fit the is right yeah obviously so. it had to be like retrofitted and whatever but yeah you can honestly fit everything on the car if you really want to right if you and again, what you said, uh, there's so many parts out there. So like if I ever decide to build it into a drift car, it's possible, right? Yeah, it's easy. you could easily do that. And yeah. a lot of people do that with the, the IS300s, especially yeah. the manual ones. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's why the platform is so popular too. The drifting community, you know, they've really beaten on these cars, yeah. unfortunately. That's why it's really hard to find them now. Especially manual ones. Especially, yeah, especially the manual ones too. Yeah. And because of the engine too, like... It's basically bulletproof with the 2JZ. Yeah. I think in the beginning, I would just, you know, drive around, drive it around as a daily, obviously on static, static suspension and nice uh, wheels and whatever. And I would just keep it like a stock stance car, really drive it just to enjoy it. And then obviously down the road when, you know, the funds come in and I really have enough money to buy a second car, I think I would go for something like an suv or something that can actually pull it and i would just go all out and building it as a drift car but yeah i honestly it's so much fun modifying cars that like once you get into it it's kind of it's like a drug yeah it's it's, it's it like essentially is it's, it. it's cocaine for, yeah. for it's carcane <laughs> yeah yeah basically and you know i think that's kind of why you know you see a lot of people in the community just constantly outdoing themselves in terms of mods and performance mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff because you know it's it's a passion you know it, they're addicted to it yeah at the end of the day yeah most definitely and our car community is pretty good uh in, in canada and we all kind of support each other uh there's a lot of people out there now uh, i know when i first started um uh, in the car scene a lot of people weren't like into the scene part of it right like the stance scene yeah yeah right we've seen that change obviously a lot of people are adapting to the japanese culture and really building a car for that particular culture now uh which is amazing and it gives gives us a greater opportunity to kind of, to really push into it right because it's a lot of high result of being accepted yeah and i know we hate on like the car scene over here a lot you know but at the end of the day you know there are different parts of the car scene that are toxic I should mm -hmm. say. And then there's the other side of it where people are really genuine about it, you know? And that's mm -hmm. that's where you see the community kind of grows. The genuine side of the car community where people are really, you know, helping each other out. You know, they're not like bashing other people and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're kind of helping out people with their cars, you know, suggested mods, all that kind of stuff. Kind of, kind of to make sure that, you know, they don't make the same mistakes that other people have made. Yeah, which I totally agree with. Uh, it's it really expanded to that community, right? Obviously, there are the bad apples in this community, but... 
at the same time, it, the people that are really here to support you, really talkative about their experience, those are the people that you really got to keep in your circle. And they'll give you the best advice, to be honest. Like a lot of the, uh, the stuff I used to do when I was, when I just started getting into it, I broke a lot of shit. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Did a lot of things wrong. If I had someone there as a mentor, that really knew what he what they were doing i think i would avoid all those mistakes in general right uh, i think everyone needs someone like that in their life that kind of guides them and shows them how to do the work right so that they could do it themselves and learn from them yeah and that's kind of how you grow in the card community you know you see a lot of these like larger kind of influencers or people who have like these really nice builds you know they have a support team around them who helps them with the cars you know helps them in terms of like modifying and installing parts you know finding the correct specs all the kind of stuff you need for the build you know they have people who do that you know they have friends are generally helping them complete their build you know whatever it may be and i think that's kind of what influenced us into our decisions for mm -hmm. like our cars if we were to kind of redo it mm -hmm. or like start over in like the car scene with the knowledge that we've learned today because of people like that who've kind of like influenced us or like kind of people who've kind of like educated us in the platforms that we kind of love. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I, I give kudos to those kind of people every single day. I mean, whether it's like the YouTuber, YouTube builders, or like even the people on forums, you know, you know giving us advice. I think those guys deserve a round of applause because without them, I think we would have like messed up 10 times more than we actually did. Yeah, definitely. I think like the forums too are like mm -hmm. super underrated. Like there's yeah. so many people on there that, you know, have literally done everything that you want to do to your car. Yeah. So, you know, there's always somebody out there who can help you yeah. and, you know, forums, YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Perfect place to start. Especially because they're not receiving any compensation by putting that out there, right? It's kind of just their knowledge, which it, you don't see a lot of a lot of nowadays, right? Yeah. People yeah. don't like to share their builds, right? you know, all the cloud chasers, they, they want to keep everything to themselves. They don't really want to share how they did this. I think that's what we kind of have to move away from. We really need a community that really is engaging opposed to very secretive. Yeah, and obviously people like who are generally helping other people are helping the community grow, you know, like people who are just kind of like reserved and, you know, they're kind of like in their own bubble, you know, kind of like that entitled kind of feeling, you know, yeah. they don't really help the community in general, right? So... At the end of the day, you know, there's always somebody out there to help you, whether it be forums, YouTube videos, you know, you could always find people who have similar interests or similar builds, you know, I'm sure they're willing to help you out. And, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's all just a learning experience for all of us. And none of us are experts, but, you know, there's always room to improve. All right, guys. So we're going to move on to our car of the week. So this week's car of the week is a wide body Supra. Yeah, so obviously in the past year, you know, we've all seen a fair share of wide body Supras, yeah. especially on the internet. You know, yeah. um, I feel like anyone who buys one, they just kind of slap on a wide body kit. Yeah. You know, like the stock body is very rare these days. Yeah. But this one, this is actually, I believe it's the first one in Ontario. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of the builds have we've seen are in the States, you know, where it's super popular there. But this one is super unique because it's the first one in Ontario built by YD Motorsports. Mm-hmm. And it has the Liberty Walk kit on it. I think in general, uh, the kit is very similar to a lot of other Supras uh, that we saw at SEMA. But I, I, I believe this is a new Liberty Walk kit that no one has actually seen before. I think the designing uh, around it makes it more evident that this person really wanted to go for the one-off look. 
and they've kind of chosen chosen a very distinct look for it which I mean, it's kind of very generic for wide bodies. Yeah, just at a first glance, you know, obviously it looks very similar to like the wide body supers that we've seen in the past. But from the rear end, it definitely looks a lot more aggressive. I can see mm -hmm. there is a much larger and significantly wider wing on the back. You know, something that we haven't seen on the Supra because like from the back, like just the trunk itself, it's so narrow. You know, there's not much you could do on the right. trunk in terms of like a wing. Yeah. So that's probably like the most significant thing I've seen, like the big wing on the back, yeah. including the new diffuser, which is honestly, it's massive. Like I, I've never seen a diffuser this big. It basically stretches the entire width of the bumper. Which I personally haven't seen before, but it, it does look insane. Uh, I think, th again, they were trying to go for first off for in, ter in terms of Canada. This, def this kit definitely looks like a improved Liberty Walk kit. You know, from the first generation of the kit, it looked... Obviously, there's a lot of development that goes into designing these kits. And this one definitely looks like a newer, updated kit. In general, it's a very aggressive look for a Supra in general. I think that the Supra in general... Uh, already had a very aggressive look as it is i think the fr the first thing that we actually talked about was why bodies are kind of like the basics for the cars or for these cars we see also seen this in the gtrs everyone when they first get it wide body it's kind of generic now right yeah especially in the stand scene too like mm -hmm. wide body is kind of like the way to go in ontario like we've seen a lot of people kind of pushing for power yeah. in the supras you know we mm -hmm. haven't seen a real stance build from this platform exactly and i, I think being this the first uh wide body supra uh i think we can see a lot more because this is gonna definitely draw crowds a lot of people obviously don't stay online and when they actually see this in person they're gonna go crazy over it and they're gonna want to build their own obviously me personally i like it but i i wouldn't actually do it the same way i think the wide body is kind of cheesy it doesn't really look good and it doesn't actually serve a purpose for this car it's just dance scene points yeah i agree with you obviously you know this car is kind of going for like the show car look for it you know with the wide body kit you know it looks like it's on air it might just be static to be honest mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it has really aggressive fitment so i feel like it could be static could be air i'm not really sure and the three-piece wheels obviously super wide stance on these wheels too you know it has like a really nice deep dish from the front and rear of the car so mm -hmm. overall obviously it's a more of a show car look to it but i think this is really nice especially for the first one that i've seen in ontario at least all right guys so that's the end of our podcast we definitely again appreciate you guys listening to each one of our podcasts if you guys have any uh suggestions for topics or suggestions in in general definitely hit us up at northside whips on facebook or instagram or email us northsidewhips at gmail.com yeah, and if you want to check out any of the stuff we talked about, we'll have them linked in the show notes. So definitely check those out, including the car of the week. I'm sure you guys will enjoy that. And yeah, thanks again for listening every single week. We greatly appreciate that. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>